0: You're going to love this. Just love it. I hope so. We've spared no expense to bring it to you.
1: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight.
0: Why, why? I got the
1: feeling there's something right.
0: Once again, it's I'm not. I'm so
1: scared in case I fall off my
0: but I am not scared.
1: i how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle
0: with you. Yes, I am stuck in the middle with you. Once again, on your <laughs> Bradcast, normally... Live on 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. But of course, not this week, once again, because KPFK is on their fun drive break. But that doesn't stop us. That won't stop the broadcast. From broadcasting on KYAQ 91.7 FM on the Oregon Central Coast and coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK.org on the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app, on the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn, on NetRoots Radio, on Indie Media Weekly. And iTunes and whoever else will have us. Glad you could join us this afternoon. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow. Broadcasting from the uh, Bradblog World News Headquarters once again this week instead of at the KPFK Pacifica Radio Studios during their fun drive. But once again, as last week... Uh, while we'll, while we normally would would, uh, would would take off while I'd just go back to bradblog.com and get some real work done on on such a week as this. Normally, that's what I would do, but there is so much going on leading into the elections this year. Uh, So many court cases. This is absolutely astounding. If you heard last week's special election edition of the broadcast where we did the same thing, We, we covered all of the court cases now going on across the country as the fight continues for voting rights as Republicans continue their fight for voter suppression and make no mistake, that's exactly what it is. The the cases have gone uh, all the way to the Supreme Court in North Carolina, in Ohio, in Wisconsin. Texas is now there as of today. Uh, It has been amazing. It has been a roller coaster. It has been very difficult to keep score of at home. Even though uh, I try to keep score, I, I'm having a hard time. Uh, so uh, very quickly, I'll just give you a, in, back in in North Carolina and in Ohio, the Supreme Court has weighed in in favor of the Republicans and in favor of suppressing the vote by shortening the early hours, uh, early voting hours in Ohio, and by ending same day registration in North Carolina. Same day registration and the counting of ballots that are cast at the wrong precinct. That's in North Carolina. The Supreme Court was on the side of the vote suppressors in that case. As we went to air last week, we were waiting to hear on a decision out of Wisconsin where Scott Walker has been uh, pressing and pressing for this photo ID restriction law that will keep uh, some 300,000 legally registered voters from being able to cast their vote in Wisconsin. That was at the Supreme Court. We now have a ruling from the Supremes and some amazing stuff related to it. We will get to that momentarily. Uh, Also, Texas was most likely going to be before the Supreme Court, and now it is uh, their photo ID restriction law. I will explain all of that, where we are, Uh, And uh, hopefully by the time you hear this broadcast over on the weekend, uh, nothing has, not too much has changed. We're broadcasting in the middle of the week on Wednesday, just to give you an idea where we are in case anything we talk about changes between now and then, because so much has changed uh, from hour to hour in this amazing story. As you know, on the broadcast, while everyone else is out there covering the horse race, we are covering the track conditions. And the track conditions this year are incredibly bumpy uh, and have a whole bunch of crap left on them, frankly, and we're trying to clean that up as we go. So we're going to cover all of that and some breaking news out of Arkansas, also concerning uh, Republican photo ID voting restrictions. All of that and probably much more, including... Desi Doyen and the Green News, she will be joining us to discuss the hottest September ever globally. I know they didn't tell you that on Fox News. They told you it was getting colder. But no, as it turns out, it's the warmest September ever. Also, the Pentagon is now warning of immediate threats from climate change. And the winner of the U.S. Senate debate in Kentucky this week, it was coal. We will talk about all of that with Desi, who who joins me right now. Hey, Des. Hey. We, uh, of course, uh, Desi is my uh, wingman here. Pardon <laughs> the phrase, because we are doing this out of Bradblog World News. Okay, out of my apartment. Uh, we we don't have access to callers. We don't have access to guests. So I'm I'm leaving it to you, Desi Doyen, to be the callers and the guests. You are the one. To tell me that I'm full of it whenever I'm full of it throughout the hour.
1: Oh, okay, that's great. Can I like you do that. that. Yeah, I think I could do that. I
0: think it's only <laughs> fair because when we get to the green news, then I tell you, you're full of it. There so, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All so right. I'll
1: heckle from over here.
0: Yes, please do. And if you have any questions, just ring on in with them because uh, this is difficult to make sense of all of this stuff. Before we do, let me just toss this out there. We had uh, a nice response last week. From the folks who were able to uh, stop by bradblog.com and donate to the work that we do. For folks who don't know, uh, I. I don't get paid for doing the broadcast. I don't get paid for doing—we don't get paid for doing the Green News Report. Right. Uh, And I usually can't say as much while we're on KPFK, on Pacifica Radio, where we are not allowed to uh, ask for money, as it were, for ourselves. But the work that I do, that we do at bradblog.com on elections, I think is really important, all of the work we do there, including the work we do on the Green News Report. So we rely on you to support us, you and only you. We are an independent news outlet. We have uh, no partisan funding, no uh, institutional funding, no corporate funding. We rely on you. So if you can help us out, please do. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and let us know you'd like us to continue doing what we are doing. We really, really do need your help. Okay, let's start with the breaking news out of Arkansas you had a question, Des?
1: No, I just wanted to point out that all of this stuff that you're about to talk about, yes. all of these court cases, this is just a little over two weeks before the election, before the midterm elections on November 4th, just two weeks when all these <laughs> yes. changes are happening.
0: Well, Which is what is amazing about it. And the length of time before these uh, elections are happening actually plays a really crucial part in all of the decisions that are now being made at the Supreme Court. And I'm going to talk about that and explain that Uh, Because so far, suffice to say for the moment, so far, all of the decisions that the court has made, the Supreme Court has made in all of these cases, though some have gone uh, in support of vote suppression, others have gone in favor of voting rights, all of them have been under uh, the basic notion that the rules of elections are not to be changed right before the election. That's based on a Supreme Court case back from 2006 where they developed this principle, uh, the Purcell principle. Uh, I'll get into that in a moment. But yes, this is all happening in the lead-up to the election. And frankly, we've got confusion in all of these states. And the confusion is caused by these Republicans. Look, I'm nonpartisan. When it comes to uh, covering elections... Uh, as, as many people know, as many Democrats are furious at me for, when Republicans get screwed by the system, when they get screwed by the voting systems, I, you know, I'm right there in support of them. I think that every vote ought to be counted, counted accurately, counted accurately in a way that the public can know it's counted accurately, and I believe that every voter who wants to vote should be able to cast their vote. Um so uh, I'm, I'm not partisan on this, but the fact of the matter is it is Republicans in state after state after state who are working to keep Americans legal, legal American v- uh, voters, legally registered American voters, from casting their legal votes. It's appalling. It's shameful. But that's the problem in uh, state after state after state, as even A Reagan-appointed, highly respected appellate court justice uh, has pointed out this week in a remarkable ruling in regards to Wisconsin. We will get there in a moment, though. Well done. You've already sidetracked me already, Desi Doyen. Uh, I was uh, trying to get to the breaking news out of Arkansas that uh, comes in just minutes before we go to air here today. In Arkansas, the Supreme Court... The state Supreme Court has ruled that the Republican photo ID voting law that was passed in that state, one of the strictest in the country, that uh, restriction on voting is found to be unconstitutional under the Arkansas state constitution. This from AP just before air. Arkansas's highest court on Wednesday struck down a state law that requires voters to show photo identification before casting a ballot ruling the requirement unconstitutional just days before early voting begins for the November 4 election. In a decision that could have major implications in the state elections, the state Supreme Court upheld a lower court ruling that that determined the law unconstitutional uh, because it added a requirement for voting. The high court in Arkansas noted that the state constitution lists specific requirements to vote, that a person be a citizen of both the U.S. and Arkansas, be at least 18 years old, and be lawfully registered. Anything beyond that amounts to a new requirement and is therefore unconstitutional, the court ruled. And I should say, the court ruled that unanimously. These four uh, qualifications set forth in our state's constitution— simply do not include any proof of identity requirement, the ruling said. Uh, Voting rights advocates are, of course, rejoicing. Earlier this year, we reported on this broadcast on the uh, state judge who declared the law to be null and void, actually finding it unconstitutional under the state constitution in two separate cases. Several weeks later, the state Supreme Court out in Arkansas Nixed the judge's ruling, but they failed to rule at the time on the state constitutionality of the law, and now they have. So, voters in Arkansas, where there is a uh, crucial uh, Senate race between Mark Pryor, the Democrat, the incumbent Democrat, and his challenger, Tom Cotton, now all legal voters should be able to cast their vote in the state of Arkansas this week you know, there's still two weeks left. So anything could happen. The state can go to the uh, uh, Supreme Court again. It's a mess. But that's uh, that's some good news out of Arkansas that is breaking today. Okay, got that? Understand that one, Desi? Yes, yes, okay. thank you. Want to make sure everyone's clear on all of these things. Arkansas, you get to vote again. Uh, now let's get to this huge ruling, huge back and forth in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, as we had discussed um, Last week and in uh, prior shows, uh, Scott Walker had been uh, trying and trying and trying to put this uh, photo ID voting restriction in place. And in Wisconsin, unlike uh, most of the states where Republicans have passed this, the law applied not only at the polling place, but it also applied to absentee votes. And the fact that uh, thousands of absentee ballots had gone out even uh, after the uh, appellate court there swung in and uh, put the law back in. Well, let me let me back up. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, The district court judge, Lynn Edelman, back in I think it was uh, April, found the law in Wisconsin to be unconstitutional under the federal, the U.S. Constitution. He found that some 300,000 legally registered voters in the state of Wisconsin did not have the type, the specific type of photo ID that was now required under this Republican law to vote in the Badger State. He found that the law would stop far more legal votes than fraudulent ones from being cast. It was unconstitutional, and it was a violation of the Federal Voting Rights Act, so he struck down that law. Well, just about one week ago, in a remarkable ruling by the Seventh Circuit Court, uh, they said, uh, no, we're going to restore that law. We're going to restore those restrictions on voting, and we're going to restore them, even though thousands of absentee ballots have already gone out without the instruction, That voters need to return a photocopy of their photo ID with their absentee ballot.
1: Because what would happen if they did not return a photocopy of their photo ID with their absentee ballot, as this new law requires?
0: Their vote would be thrown away.
1: Just tossed into they, the trash.
0: It wouldn't count, yes.
1: Because they wouldn't get a chance to go back in, either.
0: Well, the the state was supposedly trying to contact each and every voter who had received one of these absentee
1: Oh, ballots. I bet that was easy.
0: Yeah, no problem. And let them know, hey, if you don't mind, wherever you are, you're overseas, you're out of state, you're traveling. That's why you wanted an absentee ballot. We need you to somehow make a photocopy. You're infirm in a in a, a, nursing, a, a home. nursing home. We need you to find some kind of photo ID and get yourself out to the Kinkos and, and get it back to us ASAP. That's what would have happened. Uh, that's what was going to happen. Uh, This remarkable, we talked about it a little bit last week, this remarkable ruling from the Seventh uh, Circuit, (laughs) the Republicans, all Republicans on the Seventh Circuit uh, who ruled that, uh, yeah, now you need to give an ID. One of the, What was remarkable about it was it was wrong. It was error-filled. It was full of all kinds of stuff and nonsense, like you need a uh, photo ID to fly on a plane. You need a photo ID to open a bank account. You need a photo ID to buy a beer, to buy a gun, all of which is untrue, as I showed piece by piece by piece at bradblog.com. Totally untrue.
1: But that was the justification that they used in their ruling at the appeals level. Correct.
0: Uh, However, that appeals court, those uh, five uh, uh, judges on the appeals court, were opposed by five other judges on that same appeals court, two Republicans and three Democrats. Now, you might say, well, it was five to five. It was a tie. Why did the all Republican side win? Well, because an earlier hearing uh, before a three-judge panel on that same court, they all happened to be Republicans. It was uh, luck of the draw. Well, I mean, there's a lot more Republicans on the Seventh Circuit anyway, but luck of the draw, they got three Republicans, those three Republicans restored the law, the plaintiffs asked for a, uh, a, a hearing on bank, the entire court, uh, and the entire court ended up deadlocking five to five. So that three-judge panel decision stood, stayed in place.
1: And it's because there's also a vacancy. On that court. Yes, well.
0: there is that issue as well. The fact of the matter is, there is a vacancy on that uh, court since 2010. Since 2010, the Democrats have not filled that 11th seat. Had they filled that 11th seat, the law would have probably been uh, uh, upheld. The the, the, di- the lower court's judge who struck it down, that decision probably would have been upheld at the appellate level. But it wasn't in this case because that 11th seat is not full. The Democrats haven't filled it. Even though they killed the filibuster, they still haven't managed to get anyone to fill that uh, 11th seat on the 6th, uh, Which shows circuit.
1: why elections in Congress matter because yeah. there's not yeah. a judge on that seat that's supposed to be there that would have prevented the deadlock. correct.
0: Now, uh, that's where we were last week, and then it was going to the Supreme Court, and we were waiting for a Supreme Court decision. The good news is we have a decision from the Supreme Court, and I'm, uh, I'm delighted to say that the Supreme Court struck down, or I should say vacated, the uh, appellate court uh, stay of the lower court's ruling. In other words, uh, the photo ID law I- is off again. You can vote freely once again in Wisconsin. Those 300,000 legally registered voters will, are, no, are no longer uh, in danger of losing their vote, uh, at least by this means. Uh, the uh, attorney general up there, J.B. Van Halen, has said he's, he still wants to find a way to get this in place before the November 4th election. But I'll bet he does. Yes, the attorney general is going to try any maneuver he can, but uh, I think it's not going to work. So you raised a couple of interesting uh, points there uh, that I want to get to before I get to this amazing response to all of this from a Reagan-appointed judge on that circuit. A Reagan-appointed judge who voted against the rest of the court, who voted in favor of voting rights. Richard Posner is his name. He is the same judge who first approved of photo ID voting restrictions back in 2008 in the Indiana case called Crawford versus Marion County. At that time, he upheld the restriction on voting through the use of photo IDs. He has now changed his mind. He's changed his mind in a big, big way. And I'm going to get to his his amazing dissent in a moment. But on the point that you raised, Desi and it's kind of a sidebar here, but I, I wanted to point it out. So the district court judge struck down the law in Wisconsin, and then along comes the appellate court, and they tied five to five, and yet they still uh, reversed the decision of the district court. So in all, before it got to the Supreme Court, you had six federal judges in Wisconsin agreeing that photo ID restrictions were illegal and unconstitutional. You had five saying they were just fine, and oddly enough, because of the quirks that I just explained to you, uh, the minority won in that case. The minority was able to restore the law. It, kind of amazing, actually. But but that's our uh, that's our justice system. Luckily, we've got the Supreme Court, and in this case, shockingly, uh, they voted six to three to let the voters vote. They didn't give a reason why they uh, let the voters vote this year in Wisconsin, but. Uh, what it is believed is that it's because they wanted to stop any changes this close to an election, as we discussed a little earlier, the Purcell principle. We'll talk about that more in a bit. So in that regard, the Supremes were consistent in uh, Ohio and North Carolina, where they sided with the vote suppressors, and in Wisconsin, where they decided with the uh, decided vote the vote suppressors. In all cases, they said, don't change the rules right before the election. And that's where we may get into trouble in Texas, but I will get to that in a bit. I want to get to this amazing, this remarkable uh, dissent from Richard Posner, the judge on the Seventh Circuit who initially allowed this mess to happen in the first place back in 2008. He's changed his mind. He's looked at all of the information that has come in, all of the reports, all of the academic studies, all of the findings. Just last week, the Government Accountability Office, the GAO, nonpartisan GAO, came out with a new report finding that photo ID restriction laws in uh, both Kansas and Tennessee, in fact, suppressed the votes, suppressed the vote of minorities and young people in particular, so Posner looked at all of this and he said, you know what? Uh, I think we got it wrong. I got it wrong back in back in Indiana in 2008, at least as far as what these laws are supposed to do. And as he said in his amazing uh, dissent, which I wrote about at bradblog.com and over at Salon and also today at truthout.org in a new article that I did with... Uh, Ernie Canning, our legal analyst at Bradblog, I recommend you read this dissent because uh, he tears up. It is the best. As you know, I've been covering this issue for years, <laughs> driving yes. everybody crazy with it for years. But this is uh, the best, uh, I want to call it summary, the, the, the best reasoning. I mean, he has dismantling, co- dismantling. You're right. He has dismantled each and every right-wing talking point that I have ever heard in regard to uh, these type of laws. The claims that it is there to combat voter fraud. No, it is not meant to combat voter fraud. It is meant to keep people from voting, uh, specifically to keep Democrats from voting. And Posner, who is a Republican, Posner, who is... The uh, most well-cited, I can't find the exact quote, but the most well-cited legal scholar of the 20th century. The most widely cited, there we go, most widely cited legal scholar of the 20th century by far. When it comes to decisions, the Supreme Court uh, often uh, quotes, cites Richard Posner uh, and his important findings. And often they are, uh, (laughs) well, more often than not, I suppose, they support Republicans, and they support conservatives. He is very conservative. In this case, however, he's getting it right. And he has called photo ID voting restrictions, quote, a mere fig leaf for efforts to disenfranchise voters likely to vote for the political party that does not control the state government. Uh, he goes on to, uh, to point out that it, in all of the states... Every single one of the states that has passed a photo ID restriction law just happens to, coincidentally, have a Republican-controlled Senate and House in the state legislature and a Republican governor. That is the only way that these laws have gotten through. The one exception to that is Arkansas, where they currently have a Democratic governor. However, the Democratic governor vetoed the photo ID restriction in Arkansas, And that veto was overridden by the Republicans in the state legislature. So uh, what else does he do in this uh, remarkable Richard Posner, in this remarkable dissent? Uh, He talks about some of the evidence of uh, voter impersonation fraud out there, where there is actually none, specifically in Wisconsin, zero. Zero. The state was able to show absolutely no evidence of the type of fraud, the only type of fraud that could possibly be uh, deterred by polling place photo ID restrictions, and that is someone showing up to vote claiming to be someone else. state of Wisconsin could show absolutely no evidence that that had ever happened in Wisconsin. Posner writes, Some of the, quote, evidence of voter impersonation fraud is downright goofy if not paranoid, such as the non-existent buses that, according to tr- the True the Vote movement, transport foreigners and reservation Indians to the polling places. You've heard this.
1: Yeah, the, it's ridiculous. They're
0: they're, they're, they're busing in uh, a- illegal aliens. They're busing in all sorts of people from across the border to vote. Uh, John Fund loves to, to lie about it all the time, one of these right-wingers, uh, Hans von Spakovsky loves to lie about it all the time. Oh, they're bringing in buses. It's all stuff and nonsense, uh, as even the Reagan-appointed justice, Richard Posner, pointed out. There's a couple of quotes that I just, I must hit. Uh, He was talking about, Posner was talking about the notion that even if these laws don't stop voter fraud, because there is none, (laughs) At least uh, that could be stopped by these type of laws. Uh, People think there is voter fraud. Therefore, photo ID restrictions increase confidence in elections so more people will turn out to vote. That was something that was actually found in that Indiana case back in 2008. Well, we don't know if there's evidence that uh, it's going to stop any voter fraud. Indiana can't actually show any such cases that would be stopped, but it gives people confidence, more confidence in their elections, and so it's good for the electorate. Now, as it turns out, as Posner points out, that's not the case because it doesn't give more confidence to voters because if it did, We now have a record of states that have these laws in place, and there would be more confidence in elections in those states if that were true. But it's not. There are people who are equally uh, skeptical about elections. The same uh, number of people are skeptical about elections in those states that already have photo ID. So it doesn't even help confidence in elections. Now, Posner's dissent was in response to this horrible right-winger, a guy by the name of Frank Easterbrook. He's the guy who lied about photo ID being needed on airplanes. It's not. Being needed to open a bank account, it's not. To buy a beer, it's not. To buy a gun, it's not. Uh, Easterbrook said that, well, you know what, it doesn't really matter if photo ID restrictions enhance confidence or not. The legislature believes that's the case, and the Supreme Court in the past, in 2008, in the decision that was upheld by Richard Posner, who disagrees with this guy, uh, the Supreme Court has found that it does, and therefore it does. And just because... Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. The fact that the Wisconsin legislature says it's a problem, that is enough for us to uphold their, uh, f- their decision on this. But Richard Posner writes, In so saying, the panel conjures up a fact-free cocoon in which to lodge the federal judiciary. As there is no evidence that voter impersonation fraud is a problem, how can the fact that a legislature says it's a problem turn it into one? If the Wisconsin legislature says witches are a problem, shall Wisconsin courts be permitted to conduct witch trials? (laughs) This is what he wrote this. I love this guy, Richard Posner. Should we have witch trials? Hey, they believe there could be witches. Even no evidence, but hey, if the legislature says so, burn them. He goes on to write, if the Supreme Court once thought that requiring photo identification increases public confidence in elections and experience and academic studies since shows that the court was mistaken, do we do a favor to the court? Do we increase public confidence in elections by making the mistake a premise of our decision? Depressed to its logical extreme, the panel's interpretation of and deference to legislative facts would require upholding a photo ID voter law, even if it were uncontested that the law eliminated no fraud, but did depress turnout significantly. Even if it depressed turnout, even if everyone knew that, we'd still have to uphold it. Why? Oh, because the legislature believes it's good. Posner goes on to say there is only one motivation for imposing burdens on voting that are ostensibly designed to discourage voter impersonation fraud if there is no actual danger of such fraud. And that is to discourage voting by persons likely to vote against the party responsible for imposing the burdens. Nailed it. Yeah. The Wisconsin photo ID law for now is off. Voters get to vote again in Wisconsin. Texas is another story. But, uh... Wisconsin? Oh, it's on. You're on, Wisconsin. You know, it's no coincidence that... Republican Governor Scott Walker up in Wisconsin is in an incredibly close race, fighting for his life in his reelection contest against Democrat Mary Burke. No wonder he's been fighting so hard to keep registered voters, as it turns out, minorities, women, poor, students, all people who tend to vote for Democrats. No wonder he's been fighting so hard to keep them from voting. Uh, He'll have to try another trick. I'm sure he'll come up with it. Speaking of other tricks, the same thing is going on down in Texas. And where that one is going, no one knows. Stay tuned. Much more broadcast right ahead. The eyes of Texas are upon you all oh, the live long day. The eyes of Texas are upon you; you cannot get away. You know that's that's actually Elvis. Did you know that? Did you know that? Yes, Elvis yes, is. I was aware. That, of that. That's your home state, Texas. You're responsible. You should know these things.
1: I did. You did. All right. Yeah.
0: Welcome. Yeah, there you go. Uh, welcome back. This is your Bradcast. I am Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. We are not live on the air on KPFK this week. We are doing a special election coverage special edition of the Bradcast. KPFK is on drive, and uh, so we are uh, hope hopefully folks are donating and helping independent media like the broadcast stay on the public airwaves, but there's so much going on in the elections this week. I just had to come in and, and cover it and explain what the hell is going on. I, I can only hope that my explanation is making it clearer rather than murkier.
1: Yeah, I think it helps because there's so much in all of these states that is is changing from day to day even, yeah. just two weeks out from the election. It's insane.
0: It's dizzying. And if you'd like to support uh, the work that we do here at The Bradcast and at bradblog.com, we would thank you mightily. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate. If you have uh, received anything from all of our uh, our broadcasts Brad, and, of course, uh, our, our blogging throughout the years. Uh, we need to stay independent. We need to stay, uh, you know, n- not beholden to any political party, any corporate entity, but we can only do that if if you help us out. And stop by bradblog.com, throw a few dollars into the, uh, into the tip jar there, bradblog.com slash donate, It's uh, really appreciated, and there's so much going on, I don't have enough time to tell you how much it's really needed. Bradblog.com slash donate. Okay, uh, moving on now to the uh, rest of the mess here this week, and it has been amazing. Just as soon as we went off the air last week, we were talking a little bit about what was going on in Texas, where there was a trial... uh, Against that state, against the Lone Star states, the great Lone Star state, and I have to say that contractually, or else Desi Doyen will reach <laughs> over here and punch me in the face. Uh, there was a trial going on in federal court, in the US District Court out there, challenging the photo ID restriction law that had been put in place by Rick Scott and by Greg Abbott, the uh, attorney general there, who is now running. Coincidentally, he's now running for governor. <laughs> uh, so he would really like this uh, Republican photo ID restriction law to be put in place. Now, the back story is that Texas has been trying to pass this very law, this same exact law, for years now. And every time they did it, it was struck down. It was found to be in violation of the Voting Rights Act, Voting Rights Act Section 5. Before it could be uh, implemented, it was stopped by the Department of Justice and or by the federal courts because Texas had been covered by Section 5. They had to go to uh, the—because of their history of discrimination, which goes back a really long time, racial discrimination in Texas at the polling place, uh, because of that, they were one of the states covered— by Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, which meant they had to get preclearance for their election laws before they were put in place, or at least before they were implemented. And every time they did this in Texas, it was struck down. And yet, uh, they persisted. They passed it again and again. And then finally, their big break came last year. Last summer, 2013, the Supreme Court finally gutted the section, the provision in the, uh, in the Voting Rights Act that specified which jurisdictions would be covered, would, would have to uh, be covered by preclearance, would have to get the approval by the Department of Justice or by a federal court to put these laws in place. The Supreme Court struck that down. They said, oh, that list of jurisdictions, that's been around since 1965. All of these states, they don't uh, discriminate anymore. Congress needs to come up with a new way to decide who will be covered by uh, preclearance requirements of Section 5. And so now no one is covered for the moment. That may soon change and I'll tell you why in a second. But for right now, no one is covered. So as soon as within hours after the Supreme Court lifted after they gutted uh, section 5, Texas rode in. Texas Attorney General Greg Abbott rode in on a on a horse with a big Texas flag he was holding. It was a big <laughs> white flag. I saw it. He had a cowboy hat. He rode in and he said our uh, law that has was otherwise found to discriminate against voters will now be re-implemented in time for the 2014 election, and sure enough, they did, and they re-implemented that law, and there was no way to stop them because Section 5 was no longer uh, in use, and the law was allowed to go forward, and it was actually used in, in uh, one of the uh, uh, small primaries uh, over the past year or so. But plaintiffs had challenged it. Plaintiffs had said that, you know, there are some people, there are some 600,000 registered, more than half a million registered Texas voters, legally registered Texas voters, who would not be able to vote under this law. And uh, some of them would have to ride some 250 miles round trip in order to get one of these so-called free IDs, free voting IDs that the state claims to be making available. Uh, And of course the law would uh, discriminate against Hispanics, just as it was found uh, before based on the state's very own data that they used to have to give uh, to the Department of Justice before these laws could be put in place. Sure enough, uh, it discriminated against voters, elderly voters, student voters, Hispanic voters, African-American voters, but we had to go do another trial. We had to have a full trial this time under Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, which bars discrimination in every single state in the Union. That trial only finally wrapped up in late September, and we've been waiting. We were waiting last week for a ruling from the U.S. District Court on the Texas photo ID law and if it would be allowed uh, to be used in the 2014 election where Greg Abbott is running for governor against Democrat Wendy Davis. Well, the U.S. District Court came in with her ruling. U.S. District Court Judge Nelva Gonzalez-Ramos, a Barack Obama appointee, and she found that Senate Bill 14, that's the Texas law, quote, creates an unconstitutional burden on the right to vote, has an impermissible discriminatory effect against Hispanics and African Americans, and was imposed with an unconstitutional discriminatory purpose. In other words, it was deliberately meant to discriminate. She also determined after a lengthy trial on the full merits that the vote was uh, uh, amounted to an unconstitutional poll tax since every single id that is now uh, required for uh, use in voting in texas would now cost the voter money including the so-called free id which you can only get if you have a social uh, i'm sorry a birth certificate which many many voters don't have but if you want to get one you got to go pay for that birth certificate if you can make it that 250-mile round trip to get it because, remember, uh, you don't have a driver's license. So the good news just after we went off the air last week was that uh, this uh, disenfranchising law in Texas was struck down by the U.S. District Court. 600,000 legally registered voters would be allowed to vote. And by the way, there are twice that many um, voters uh, who are eligible to vote, but who have not yet registered in the state of Texas, that do not also, that do not have the type of ID that would be required to vote under this law. So good news from the district court. We were all celebrating that, 147-page ruling. And then the uh, fifth, what is it, the fifth appellate court, the fifth U.S. Court of Appeals came in just yesterday, just last night, and blocked the the lower court's ruling, which is just amazing. It was a three-judge panel on the uh, Fifth Circuit Court and they determined that uh, this law, actually, what was interesting here, most importantly, the court did not uh, disagree with the lower court. They did not say that the uh, law was discriminatory. It was not discriminatory. In fact, they acknowledged that it was discriminatory, but they said because of the Supreme Court's rule, the precedent that they've given, that we talked about a little bit in the previous, uh, before the break, uh, th- that you cannot change election laws at the last second. Because of that, We have to keep the law in place. We have to keep the photo ID restriction law in place, says the appellate court.
1: So they acknowledge that it is discriminatory. They acknowledge that thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands of voters will be prevented from voting in Texas because they don't have the specific, extremely narrowly targeted kind of photo ID that is required to vote. They acknowledge all this, but they say, oh, sorry, too close to the election.
0: So you can't change it. That's exactly right. Now, uh, in this case, it was a three-judge panel on, on the appellate court, uh, two Republicans, and one Democrat, one Democrat who, who concurred. He wrote a separate concurring opinion, uh, saying that, yeah, that's what the Supreme Court says. We can't change the law this close to the election. Uh, he wasn't happy about it, but that's what he did. So uh, that's kind of uh, where we are at the moment, and the question now is actually two questions, two big questions. Um one, what will the Supreme Court do in this case? Because the argument is being made that, yes, uh, you have so far been consistent in, in the other cases, but in this case, Texas is different. Because right now, as uh, Rick Hassan, a University of California, Irvine election law professor, he said that, uh, first, the risk of changing the rules close to the election should perhaps be balanced with the risk of disenfranchisement. Second, he wrote, there is less of a problem of turning off a photo ID law than of turning it on. And uh, here there may be some people who are asked for an ID who should not be asked uh, if, the law, if the ID law is put on hold. But that there is a, a lower risk, he, he describes, um, of people being uh, disenfranchised, a lower risk of uh, disenfranchisement than if the law, if the discriminatory law remains in place. So uh, and and voting rights uh, advocates say the same thing, that it makes absolutely no sense to be consistent. They described it as uh, Justin Levitt of Loyola described it as a foolish consistency. It makes no sense to be consistent if what happens is people are disenfranchised. Uh, and that appears to be what would be the case. Uh, Ernie Canning, our own um, legal analyst at Brad Blog, uh, d- argues that, well, you know, Republicans can just go and, you know, delay. They can put in these terrible, these disenfranchising laws, these laws that are discriminatory that even the courts know are discriminatory. They can put them in place and basically run out the clock on a trial knowing that, hey, at least they'll get one election out of it. Yeah. Uh, and that seems to be. What may happen if the Supreme Court in this case uh, is consistent here and says, no, it's too close to the election, we've got to keep this discriminatory law in place. Now, the plaintiffs have today filed a 203-page emergency application to vacate the appellate court uh, uh, ruling in Texas. I guess they knew this was coming. <laughs> I guess they had planned. Uh, this was filed now at the U.S Supreme Court. And uh, while I haven't gotten to read the entire 203-page uh, application, uh, here's one paragraph that is, I think, spot on. Imagine that a, they write, imagine that a state, a state passed a law six months before an election, stating that, quote, "negroes cannot vote." this law clearly intentionally discriminatory based would be discriminatory based on language and effect alone is enjoined on that basis by a district court 2 weeks before an election that's what happened here the law was enjoined it was stopped it was found to be discriminatory the plaintiffs go on to write it would be ludicrous for an appellate court to turn around and stay that injunction because of some per se rule that election laws can never change immediately prior to elections. The Texas ID law, as the district court found, is simply a more creative method of intentionally discriminating based on race than the above hypo, uh, hypothetical about Negroes cannot vote. So it would be ridiculous uh, to simply keep this line in place, is what the plaintiffs are arguing. Scott, uh, not Scott Walker, who's the other one? Rick Perry. Your guy, your governor, you're from Texas. He's not my governor. I'm blaming you for all of these laws, Desi Dohan.
1: This all uh, happened after I left. I have to say he
0: is. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, he is. Uh, he is fighting like hell for this uh, for this law uh, in, in this election against Wendy Davis because you know what? Uh, one of the things uh, registration has spiked. Democrats are down there working hard. Progressives are working hard uh, to sign up voters. Hundreds of thousands of uh, new registrations this year. So, I mean, it looks like uh, Rick Perry. No, what's his name? Greg Abbott uh, is in the lead, according to the polls. But he looks like, uh, but, you know, who knows what will happen if people actually turn out and vote. Ernie Canning is working on an article uh, for BradBlog.com on uh, this challenge at the Supreme Court. And... um, he writes. Uh, he, he sent me a note just before airtime here, saying that uh, w- one of the arguments that the plaintiffs are making is that the ID that would now be required to vote is a, a quixotic collection of photo IDs with little rhyme or reason, and without regard to whether the type of ID is a reliable indicator of the voter's identity. For instance, they write, "Employees, you'll love this. Employees of a private of private contractors of the U.S. Defense Department." They may use their photo IDs to vote, but Defense Department civilian employees may not.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. It makes no sense.
0: <laughs> uh, also, uh, if you've got a concealed weapons uh, ca- permit, you can vote with that. If you're a uh, stu- if you have a student ID issued by the state, nope, can't use that. Uh, he also points out that there's been virtually no public education, no poll worker education on how to implement this law. Uh, Less than 300 voters have gotten one of these so-called free photo IDs. But perhaps the most important part that I want to mention before we get to the Green News report, Tessie Doyen, is that the U.S. District Court judge found that Texas purposely, purposely discriminated in putting this law in place. And if they purposely discriminated in putting this law in place, the Department of Justice can ask that court to bail the state of Texas back in to the preclearance law, back into Section 5 to be covered uh, for any future election laws to have to get approval from the Supreme Court first. The the preclearance that nobody is required to have now, thanks to the Supreme Court gutting the Voting Rights Act, Texas will have to get preclearance for any future election laws if the lower court ruling stands, uh, they will be bailed into the Voting Rights Act under Section 3. And that is only good news for voters in the state of Texas. So we will see what happens now at the Supreme Court. Got all that? Good. Let's do some green news. Okay, Dizzy Doyne, even though we have no guests and no callers today, as usual, we are running late. <laughs> as always. But there's a lot of other stuff going on other than elections, uh, like the globe melting. And so let's get to all of that in our latest Green News Report. Coal. Coal keeps
1: the lights on. Coal. Thousands of coal jobs.
0: Coal. A coal.
1: Coal has a rightful place. Our
0: coal industry. Coal miners. Coal. Did you uh, mention coal? Coal. <laughs>
1: Coal wins Kentucky's U.S. Senate debate.
0: Defense Secretary Chuck Hagel said Monday that rising sea levels and other effects of climate change will pose major challenges for America's military.
1: The Pentagon warned climate change threatens U.S. national security. The East Coast could see daily flooding from rising seas within 30 years. Wind power now the cheapest source of energy. Plus, it's official. September 2014 was the hottest September on record. Globally? Yes, globally.
0: All of those global threats and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. ISIS is making gains, threatening Baghdad, and our bombing campaign is not going well. That should concern the defense secretary. Instead, he's talking about climate change? Correct. As being an immediate threat? Right. The timing's wrong, Howard. The timing's right, Stuart Varney of Fox Business News. Actually, the timing's a bit too late, thanks to knuckleheads like you at Fox News. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, You keep saying this month after month after month (laughs) that it's getting hotter and hotter every single month, but Fox News keeps telling me it's getting cooler and cooler. Who am I to believe?
1: Well, you could start with the scientists. The scientists at NASA, the real scientists. And yes, NASA did confirm again that September 2014 was the hottest September on record globally, just as August 2014 was the hottest August on record globally. And NASA also said that the last September Six months on Earth were the hottest six months ever recorded globally.
0: Well, that seems to be the complete opposite of what they tell me on Fox News. So confusing.
1: And that's their hope. Climate change is a threat multiplier that is already challenging the U.S. military at home and around the world. According to Secretary of Defense Chuck Hagel on Monday, in a major new report released by the Pentagon, Secretary Hagel warns that human-caused global warming is a direct threat to U.S. national security because, quote, the impacts of climate change may cause instability in other countries by impairing access to food and water and damaging infrastructure that he says could fuel unrest and... And destabilize regions around the
0: world. And curiously enough, Fox News, who pretends to be concerned about national security, gets this warning and they downplay it. I guess we know that they don't really care about national security, they care about their corporate friends in the fossil fuel industry. Period.
1: The report details that rising sea levels will have a disproportionate impact on naval military installations, especially on the East Coast. That's backed up by a new study that finds chronic flooding is already a problem for the Navy shipyards in Norfolk, Virginia, and it's accelerating on the East Coast relative to the rest of the globe. The report estimates that the nation's capital could see nearly daily flooding by 2045. That's just 30 years from now.
0: And it'll just be a jobs program to bail out the city. Why do you hate jobs, Desi Doyen?
1: And, of course, on the same day that the Pentagon released those new warnings on the impacts of human-caused global warming, in Kentucky, the race for the U.S. Senate was all about protecting one industry, one of the main drivers of global warming, the coal industry.
0: The job of a United States senator from Kentucky is to fight for coal jobs in our state.
1: That was Senate Minority Leader Republican Mitch McConnell in a debate on Monday with his Democratic opponent, Kentucky Secretary of State Allison Grimes. Grimes criticized McConnell's repeated claims that he isn't a scientist, but he knows we should ignore the scientists and the Pentagon on global warming. Well, I don't think you have to be a scientist to recognize the realities of what are happening around us. Uh, it, it didn't stop Senator McConnell from having an, an opinion on how to move the economy forward. You didn't have to be an economist. It shouldn't stop you here. Uh, I recognize, unlike Senator McConnell, the realities of global warming. But I do believe uh, that we have to take a balanced approach. But of course, even though she accepts the science of climate change, both try to out coal each other. Coal was mentioned at least 38 times in one hour. Evidence of the coal industry's outsized influence in Kentucky, even though coal is actually only a small part of Kentucky's economy. Coal mines employ only about 12,000 people in the state, less than a quarter of those employed. By car makers.
0: Yes, Mitch McConnell's job as a Kentucky senator is to fight for coal jobs even if it kills them.
1: Finally, some good news. Onshore wind energy is the cheapest energy source of all, at least in Europe. It's cheaper than coal, oil, and gas once the external costs of fossil fuels are taken into account. A European union Commission study confirmed previous research that finds clean wind energy is the cheapest source when you account for the rising healthcare costs from air pollution and the impacts of global warming.
0: See, what you don't understand is that those external costs in Kentucky where coal miners get sick is just more jobs for the doctors. You really need to figure this out, Desi Doyan. <laughs> for more help in figuring all of this out, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. You can also find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. Dust in the wind. In the wind. Thank you very much, Desi Doyan. Yes, thank you. Nicely done. Uh, my thanks to you, our producer Desi Doyen, my co-host on the Green News Report. And my thanks to uh, our listeners this week for tuning in to the podcast or listening over our fine affiliate networks. Glad you could join us. We will be back either live or not next week on the Bradcast. I think there's one more week of the KPFK fun drive. But then we will be back between there and the election and the end of the year and beyond. Thanks for joining us. You can find me on the Twitters anytime at the Bradblog and, of course, at BradBlog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good night, America.